0: Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed planted in them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared. Fears faded, and Jesus revealed that He is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424 704 3278. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us.
1: Welcome to the Sewing Hope podcast here on Patchwork Heart Ministry. My name is Anne DeSantis. Great to be here with you. I have an amazing guest for all of you this evening. I have Gina Christian. She is the Senior Content Producer at Catholic Philly. And for those who are from my area, I'm sure that you all have heard of CatholicBilly.com. So why don't we start with your own story, Gina, because obviously, you know, you're, you're at Catholic Philly. You've been there for a while, but we'd love to hear a little bit about your journey.
2: Wow. And it has been a journey. Um, and I've shared this, um, you know, in my writing. So um, in terms of my faith, you know, I grew up Catholic. I actually grew up in South Jersey. And uh you know, lifelong Catholic, Catholic school. And, um, like many today, um, you know, I got to college and, you know, once my faith hit the world, I really started to struggle. Um, and I also had some challenges in my background, which I've shared. Um, I'm an adult survivor of child sexual abuse. And, um, you know, that definitely led to a struggle with God and to kind of, you know, um, summarize where that journey took me. Um, Christ was always there, Christ was always there, even when I wasn't always paying attention. And ultimately, um, through a series of events, what ended up happening is I realized that God was not my enemy in that process, that Christ very much had his hand on me. And though he never intended for those things to happen to me, as we read in the book of Genesis, in the case of Joseph, what you intended for my harm, God intended for my good. And, you know, as the eighth chapter of Romans tells us, all things work together for good to those who love God. And that has been borne out in my life. I can I can witness to anyone on that. So what started to happen, happen was the gifts of um, writing and research that I had always, you know, um, embraced as a child and that kind of got sidetracked in dealing with some of the challenges of my past. Um, I began to re-embrace them and started off writing freelance stories for CatholicPhilly.com, which for some Readers who may not know this, we used to be the Catholic Standard and Times, which was, you know, a really well-known print Catholic paper when people used to read papers, Um, and then it moved digital. Our editor Matt Gambino saw very early on, probably a decade, a lot ahead of a lot of other um, publications that moving to digital for Catholic press was the way to go, and so he set it up. And then when the paper folded, we then. Transitioned fully, and then I, you know, came on board about eight years, nine years into that process. Um, since then, I've taken on more and more writing. Um, one of the things that I love to do, I write a weekly commentary. But what I really love to do, and what I think has been the most fulfilling thing, and what I do is, and it ties in with this podcast, selling hope. There are so many stories of brokenness and woundedness and conflict and and injustice that we see in the headlines every day, and that's you know, unfortunately that's this life. But that's not all of this life. And what Catholic press is able to do without disregarding the very real wounds of the world is it's able to bring those wounds in a faith perspective and to say, how do people of faith meet these challenges? And I have the great honor and privilege of pretty much every day getting to go out there and highlight the absolutely incredible and largely unsung work of ordinary people. Many of them lay, uh, clergy and religious too, of course, who day in and day out do nothing more and nothing less than lift up Christ in a world that needs him more than ever. And that takes many forms. A large part of my work involves um, highlighting the work of Archdiocese and Catholic Social Services, which is uh, an incredible group of people, a long-standing ministry that really began in Philadelphia at the end of the 18th century in 1797, I believe was the date after the yellow fever epidemic left so many children, orphans, men and women began to wrap their arms around them in Christ and begin to found, began to found the ministries that became what we now have as archdiocese and Catholic social services. So from, you know, uh, children in foster care to, people struggling with uh, housing and homelessness issues or hunger or uh, addiction, whatever the problem is, I get to highlight the good work of these people and give voice to people, or rather not give voice because voice is given by God, but give space for the voices of people whose story doesn't always get to be told, the people who receive and participate in those services.
1: So you are very good at what you do. I love reading any piece that you've done and they're always there every week. You know Catholic Philly comes out every Friday, I believe isn't it like well we're a website a lot of people I mean we're 24 7 we Mm -hmm. but we do
2: an email newsletter that comes out once a week and what we do is we highlight some articles hey go check us out kind of keeps us you know on people's radar but you can go anytime 24 7 because I'm on there so you'll see me post stories at 2 in the morning (laughs) and there's a prize if you're the first one to read my story email me and let me know I'll send you you know I can't send you anything but I'll I'll pray for you how's that (laughs)
1: yeah well, first, I, I want to address what you said about your story. I didn't do that yet. And I want to make sure that I do because uh, I really appreciate your openness about this. I mean, this is something that years ago people just didn't share, right? right. They went through things like that and it was a hidden thing. And yeah. so you bring it out into the light and your faith has really gotten you through so much. And and now look at the life that you're leading. I mean, I can just see it in in your smile and in the happiness that is provided because you're in ministry, because you are able to see how the Catholic church can respond to, as you said, all those really challenging and hard things that people go through, not just in this greater Philadelphia area, but everywhere, right? Because what affects us affects the whole world. Um, and so thank you, thank you for the work you do. What did, What is it that you like best about your job and also just about being involved in Catholic
2: ministry? Well, as I said, I really am, am blessed to just be able to lift up the work of those who are lifting up Christ because it gives life, you know, and and the works of darkness just breed sadness and sorrow and more woundedness. But when you're involved in, you know, really actively covering how the wounds of the world are slowly being healed and knitted together and and made whole it's it's just so inspiring i i've had absolutely jaw-dropping conversations with people um who their words just echo you know in my heart for months afterwards and in fact if you look at a lot of what i write really I'm trying not to tell too much of the narrative myself. I mean, I organize it in a format that is cohesive. I get the, you know, I vet the information I, you know, whatever I'm presenting, whether it's a a food giveaway or a ministry or whatever, or an issue that's being responded to such as addiction. I make sure I've got my data, you know, and I I put it in the context and I'll do all the research in the world to, to, you know, make sure we're clear, but really it's the people I interview who tell the story. And it's really their quotes that, are what carry people and carry the story because you know, they, they are the ones who live that story. And to be able to tell that, I mean, an example, this past weekend um, we had here at the Archdiocesan Pastoral Center, which is right next to the cathedral, Catholic Social Services. It's, it's um, one of its ministries to those in homelessness, St. John's Hospice was here joining with Archdiocesan Nutritional Development Services and, and just a host of other people. And all they were doing was you know giving out boots to those who are in homelessness and warm clothing and then you know for for pregnant women that came if they needed baby supplies all of that well i had the the great honor of, of talking to one of the clients and at length and he was a uh, a man who was in homelessness he had served um in the u.s military and he was you know um two years on the streets here and he was just so grateful but when i I got, to, and he actually stopped me in the interview because I record this. Everyone laughs. I mean, I always feel bad. Here's my iPhone and I am shoving it under, under everyone's nose. You know, <laughs> in the Archdiocese. What do you have to say? What do you think about this? Um, but he stopped and he said, thank you. He said, I haven't had people that I could tell this to at length. And his was a story too, that, you know, someone who had a lot of brokenness that kind of got him to this place, you know, and I, I, it's funny because I was thinking it ties in so well with the book that you just wrote on love wow. and care for the marginalized, you know, and one of that, one, that starts with acknowledging this is a human being in front of me. Let me listen. And if I recall correctly, I mean, at least one of your chapters was devoted to that, right. About listening, oh, yeah. listening, you know that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for even bringing that up. Yes. And the heart of my book, um, if I could put it in just a one line, it's about reaching those people and supporting those who don't have the love and support they deserve. You know, everybody deserves love and support and not everybody gets it No, And And they're uh, hungering for it, hungering for it. Yeah. And the other thing is that we always think, you know, when you read about mother Teresa or her good work with the poorest of the poor, and there are always the poorest of the poor, but sometimes those people are very close to us that we don't even realize it. Right. I mean, There are people that we work with. There are people that are in our neighborhoods, church, uh, school, everywhere. So thanks for bringing that up. But going backward, what you said about the event that just happened at the Archdiocese, I just so happened to see Amy Stoner recently, and she told me about it. Um, I was at the Catholic Charities Appeal Breakfast that was at the Springfield Country Club that was for some of the donors. And I got to sit with Amy and she told us about, in fact, she told the whole group about it. And it was just really beautiful. So um, is there anything more like that, stories that you can share with us? Because you see a lot in terms of the work of Catholic Social Services and Catholic Charities Appeal. Yeah. Well, one thing, and speaking of
2: Amy Stoner, and Amy Stoner is, again, the director of she has a long title, Community-Based Homelessness and Housing Services for Archdiocese and Catholic Social Services. And I, I have to tell her to get a new title because it's just entirely too long to print all the time. But she, um, she also received papal honors recently, a couple of years ago. So my nickname for her, she's Dame Amy Stoner, and I call her Damey for short. But um, she just, <laughs> <laughs> the joke is, and it's funny because this is another event that just took place, the um, Catholic Social Services the pro-life union of greater Philadelphia and the Capuchin friars of the, I'm going to get this hopefully right, the province of St. Augustine opened basically a mother baby center at the Padre Pio prayer center, which is located up in the city's Frankfurt section, one of the poorest neighborhoods, one of the ground zeros for drug addiction in in Philadelphia and largely in the country, unfortunately. But in the midst of this incredible need and kind of Desert of spirit, if you will, this wonderful place called the cenacle, which is the upper room, right? You know, where, where Christ appeared to the apostles, where he had his last meal, the last supper with them, instituted the Eucharist, and then, you know, gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. This place is together. So Amy was at this, and, and one of the priests who was involved joked that well, when Amy asks you to do something, you do it. <laughs> and what it does is this is, again, this is the life of the church, just right on the front lines. Um, Women who are in, you know, crisis pregnancies or struggling in those first few years of of parenthood are getting all the support they need. Practical stuff, you know, diapers, you know, Mm. um, parenting skills, education, you know, and they they walk with them. Not they're not just saying, okay, well, now you had the baby, good luck, you know. They're they're walking with them and developing relationships with them and, and walking with them on that journey. And and these are women that do feel very marginalized. You know, maybe they don't have a husband or a partner, or even a family that's willing to come alongside them in that pregnancy, you know, but that child is here, that child's coming, it's a child of God. And, you know, Catholic social services, pro-life union, the Cynical, the, the Capuchin Friars are all, the church is wrapping its arms around, you know, um, these folks. So Amy was a big driver in that. And um, when I interviewed her, and that story is up on catholicphilly.com, you know, she made an interesting point. One of the priests who, um, Father Bob Bazzoli, who used to be the pastor at it's kind of a long story, but a church, St. Joachim's, that, you know, merged with Holy Innocence Parish, and then eventually was um, a worship site, was eventually bought by the Capuchin Order. So you had a parish that closed, okay, and that's always a sad thing. Unbeknownst to a lot of the folks area Catholics started praying to Padre Pio that that site would once again become a parish. Now, canonically, that wasn't possible. What ended up happening is the Capuchin order came in, bought the place. Okay, now we've got a prayer center. Then Catholic social services said, oh, oh, we could, we could use that. Let's work with you guys. And then one by one, people came back, came back. And now this, this garden is growing again, you know, and, and we've got people there that are saying, oh, in the midst of all this darkness, there's that one place, There's that place, that place where people know what love is and they know what truth is and they know what respect is and they know what hope is. And I'm going to go there Mm -hmm. and one by one. And isn't that how the souls came to Jesus? Those big crowds. It wasn't the town had a meeting. All right, everyone, we're going to go follow Jesus. So all of Nazareth, well, Nazareth didn't really want him, unfortunately, because they didn't get him. But, you know, it wasn't like Capernaum said we took a meeting and all the town will be out there. No, it was people one by
1: one, family by family. Who is that man? Who is he? What is he? I it's need personal, him. right? It's I personal. Mean, it's, it's very personal, and and I think I have to say, you're mentioning the, the different organizations, like you mentioned, Pro Life Union and Catholic so- Social Services, and and I mentioned Catholic Charities Appeal. I think the one thing that I see in our archdiocese, and and you're in the middle of it with Catholic Philly, is that it's like a place to call home because it's all these different branches, and they're they're really reaching people, real people. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I just think it's beautiful. And and I love the work of Catholic Philly because you are out there for everything, like all the events that happen in the area um, and everything that's going on in the church, um, not just like church event related either. I mean, it has to do with ministry. It has to do with what's going on in the world, what's going on in your communities. Yeah. Schools, or people, churches, you know, people, people, yeah. stories
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny. Like, it's, it's funny when you say everywhere. I wish I could be. And and I think it speaks to just how much hope there is out there. I mean, the, in the five counties that comprise the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, there are so many wonderful stories. I can't get to them all, but I'm praying to Padre Pio that I can buy locate and be at more of these <laughs> events. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's interesting when you said about reaching people I want I was starting and I kind of lost my track there and got off on a tangent but with the Padre Pio center this former pastor at St. Joachim's which had closed again right um Father Bob Izzoli, Amy Stoner was up at the Northeast Family Service Center in the Mayfair section of the city for Catholic social services and she said oh you're the new pastor let's have a meeting so he said well okay and by car this would have been maybe a 10 15 minute drive you know most of us who drive a car be like oh yeah no problem Well, he said, no, I'm going to do what my people do. And they take public transportation. So he showed up 30 minutes late to the meeting.
1: His donor was not happy
2: about that. But it was funny because what she said was for her, it was a turning point. And he said, this is how my people travel. And she said, you know what? We're going to start traveling to them. So in addition to meeting, she said, because back in the day, it was, oh, you come to us. And I think that very clearly speaks to, especially what Pope Francis has talked about. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Uh, And what Archbishop Paris talks about. I mean, we have, you know, I mean, he is out there, you know, Mm -hmm. and really now that COVID, I mean, the poor man came in and then COVID shut everything down. And all he wanted to do was go out and put his arms around his people and say, I'm here, you know, I love Mm -hmm. you and I'm ready to lead you to Christ and keep walking with you on your journey with Christ. And so, but that's the whole thing is that we go. And he said this in recent homilies too, um, that I've covered is that, you know, the, It starts with come. Christ said, come to his apostles, come to his disciples. But then he said, go, go into the world. And I remember sitting there. I I heard the archbishop say that in two recent homilies, one to youth and then one on uh, Mission Sunday. And I thought, yeah. That's it, because I when I cover him, I transcribe his homilies to the letter, you know, so that I I get it right. Mm. Um, Yeah, but that's the whole point. So we're going out there, but we're meeting people, and it's that word that I know it gets overused, but it's the truth.
1: It's encounter, you know. Yeah, accompaniment and encounter. Yeah, both of those. In fact, it's funny you were talking about the Archbishop and. I just so happened to be at two events where I went to the young Catholic Professionals event with my daughter. I'm not a young Catholic, but you there that daughter- night
2: and I didn't talk to you? Was that the one at St. John Newman that I didn't talk to you at? I'm so uh, sorry. No, this
1: one was the one just the other day with at, Arch- okay. at the Archdiocese this past week. I love it. Right. And then the next morning we had the breakfast for the Catholic Charities Appeal. So I got to see him two nights in a row, two days nice. in a row. Nice. And he was telling all of us how busy he is with all of his, you know, meetings and masses and you know events and things like that and uh and so you are so right I mean he wants to be out there like amongst the sheep just like as Pope Francis has has said that before that smelling right smelling like like the sheep and so I, I think he's the same way he very much is and you know he told an interesting story at one homily and I can't remember for which mass this
2: was but it was at the cathedral and he was telling us how he had been in the holy land um on a pilgrimage several years before and had the opportunity to watch an actual shepherd in action. You know, I think that's the one thing that, you know, as modern, you know, or suburban, urban, you know, Catholics, sometimes we, you know, we're not down on the farm anymore as much in in our culture. So anyway, he watched this shepherd for about 20 minutes and he said, you know what the shepherd really did? He walked among the sheep, you know, and once in a while, one would kind of get out of line and he kind of, you know, yank him back into play or, you know, if one was in distress, he would go out. But really the large part of his job was simply one of, a watchful, loving, attentive presence, you know?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it's all about. And it's a good example, I think, for us as Catholics, when we see that example, it gives us an example of how we can go forth and be missionaries of mercy, right? Isn't that what it's about? It is. And you know, it's about being missionaries of mercy.
2: Absolutely. And you know, but the thing is, it's so funny, because I think when we call up that word missionaries, I mean, people of my generation, a little bit older, I'm not telling my age, but you can probably figure it out because I've all my cultural references like, Oh, you're a child of the eighties. Yes. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, we thought we think of missionaries as going over there, like, Oh, it's overseas or it's over there. Or, it's a completely different culture. And, and the thing is, I just had, um, a woman from Nigeria tell me this at the mission mass, the pontifical, um, world mission Sunday, she said, and she herself was from Nigeria, but she said, you know, your missionary field can be your workplace. Yeah. I mean, and it's just mm-hmm. exactly what you were saying. You know, you could be, I mean, my goodness, you can be in line at the grocery store with someone if, you know, you stopped ordering from Whole Foods and you're back at the store, like I am spending too much money. But, um, you know, you could be in line next to someone and maybe it's just a smile. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just a, a nod of the head. It's just something, you know, that, that lets them know that I see you, you're human. I acknowledge you. And I, I think that one of the downsides Of these is that we yeah yeah
1: you know that's right and um you you were talking about my book and i'll just make one one other point about that is that part of what i talk about in that book is as catholics sometimes you know we're given that list of kind of the commandments and the rules of the faith you know and and it's all very important stuff but part of that has to be the way we treat human beings in our everyday interaction you know, it's not just a checklist to say that, you know, I give so much money to my church. I'm good friends with my pastor. I'm on this board of directors. I do this. My child goes to Catholic school. I mean, I'm naming a few, but I think you get my point. Yeah. We have to have that positive uh, interaction that shows that we are kind, that we care, right? Caring is just such a big deal. really is. And I think that's what you do. That's what you do. That's what Catholic Philly does. It's all about mixing in uh, being a quote good person with our faith right it's got to be mixed in together yeah um so i just thank you for your great work is there something about catholic philly now i'm going to ask people to subscribe because it's a great oh, podcast thank you thank great you. articles it's an awesome you. website um oh, go you. to everybody go to catholicphilly.com and subscribe oh. and look up gina christian please um, but tell them more about, like, if, say if they sign up for the weekly email, which mm-hmm. I get. And I'm always like, ooh, it's Friday. I get to get that email. Um, yeah. Tell us more.
2: Well, again, I mean, you know, the, the email is just, you know, a way of reminding you we're here. Yeah. Um, highlighting and curating a few stories that we think you might be interested in. And I, and I would suggest that, you know... Um, you can always check us out. Like I said, if you see an article that got posted at two in the morning and you're the first to read it, you know, let me know and I'll pray for your intentions. You know, you know one rosary just for you because we we really are 24-7 and that's really the, um, you know, that's the culture that we live in. Um, you know, people expect news. Um, one thing though that is becoming clearer is that I think that it's funny because um, not a lot of people might be aware of this unless you're actually in the biz, so to speak, but the Second Vatican Council, in what I believe was one of, was one of its early decrees, I think it was the second one issued, called Intermorifica, meaning Among the Wonders, and it talked about the need for a Catholic press, and, you know, we have a lot of great, hard-working um, Catholic journalists out there world over. Um, our particular um, Content partners are the Catholic News Service, which are the um, the official media outlet of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Um, fantastic people, um, highly professional, uh, dedicated, faithful, and just so hardworking. But you know, it's a partnership, and so what we are looking for are for people to partner with us and share your stories with us, and and if you can help support, you know, in the way that you know, we're willing to pay for other news outlets and entertainment and stuff that doesn't always give our faith a chance to to express itself or, or to show just what's going on out there, you know, and, and I, I don't think that anyone should read just one publication. I would never recommend that, you know, I mean, and, and, and I don't think anyone of, of faith and reason would, but, you know, it's, it's important to to understand fully what's going on out there, and there's a lot of good going on out there. And again, and even when we even when we tackle issues that you know, hey, it's ugly. You know, I mean, the clerical sexual abuse scandal was ugly, continues to be ugly. Um, any type of financial improprieties, any of that, that's wounding. But we need to deal with it honestly, and we need to deal with it through the lens of faith. And I think a lot of times we compartmentalize, and we we say, oh well, that's my faith, but you know, here's the rest of life. And no, it's all yeah, you can't it's separate it. Yeah. I mean, I had the opportunity when I first joined Catholic Philly to do a series on the opioid epidemic from a Catholic perspective, because I'm thinking we have a faith that can handle this. We have a Lord who conquered sin and death. He can conquer addiction. Will it be easy? No. Is it going to be a lot of hard work on our part? Yeah, but we have it. And we got to present that. That's not something that maybe you saw in other news outlets, which certainly rightly talked about the tragedy, this, that, and the other thing. But you know, I uh, faith is more than just on Sunday. So why should that's news right. just only be your you know secular outlet? So yeah, neither it like Philly, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> and it's participatory Philly. again. You know, and again, here's the other thing that's important too is that because um, most people experience the Catholic Church at the level of their parish, become the stewards of your parish life, get involved in mm. your parish life, and tell us what you're doing. You know, and 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 it's mm, there yeah. in those communities. You know. That's how the body of Christ gets knit together, you know, and, and just blossoms and, and attains its full stature, which is, I think how Paul puts it, or That's maybe right. it's Peter.
1: Don't quote me. <laughs> it's, well, it's where the, the universal church, I mean, it right. begins with us, right. Where right. we are, right. Where right. we are, we're all part of it. And it's right. An amazing right. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, now I want to mention one more thing, actually two more things before we end. First, I want to make a recognition because my co-host is not with us this evening, and his name is Bill Snyder. And this is Patchwork Heart Ministry. You can subscribe on YouTube to the Sewing Hope podcast. Uh, Bill is from Wisconsin, but he's originally from the Philadelphia area. So when we do podcasting, I'm here in the Philadelphia area. And he's out there in Wisconsin with his family. You're covering uh, I want to make country. this shout out. Love it. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Now, also, uh, I wanted to mention that you do have a podcast. I love for people to subscribe. Tell us a little bit more before we end. Sure. It's InsideCatholicPhilly.com.
2: You know, we've been producing a podcast. We have various guests on. The next one that's going to be up, um, hopefully, you know, in the next uh, few days is Archbishop Charles Chaput. We did a nice interview with him on the meaning of new evangelization. Um, You know, with COVID, we unfortunately had to kind of, you know, focus on, we didn't get to do as many podcasts as we like because of the lockdown. But now that we're emerging from that, um, we are also, you know, if people have a good story to tell, let me know. I'd be, I, again, I really want to give a space for the voices of people that don't always get a chance to share their faith or share their ministry. Um, you know, in as full a way as I think would benefit, you know, people. So yeah, I enjoy it. And we also do videos too. Um, in fact, the Archbishop has just come out with a new vlog that we are hosting on CatholicPhilly.com, the first episodes up, and he'll be on a monthly basis, just, you know, speaking from the heart as he does so well about um, issues of faith that, you know, he wants to you know, share with, with his, with his flock. So, yeah.
1: That's so good. That's and of awesome. course you
2: can always get any official archdiocesan announcements to all of the archbishop's messages. Um, you know, there's just a, a real wealth of information. The other thing too, that we also have are a lot of local columnists, you know, that, that mm. share their faith and what they're doing. So. It's a huge website.
1: I mean, honestly, there's so much going on there. Yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. just so grateful that you gave me, you know, you talked about those people and how you interview people and give them that opportunity. You gave me that opportunity. So thank you. Oh, it was thank a pleasure.
2: You. It was a pleasure. No, yes. I can, I could talk all day. And it's funny because I used to say like, you know, years ago when I was thinking maybe I had a call to religious life and who knows, right. I was thinking, yeah, you know, I'm going to go into a contemplative order. And I remember a friend of mine who was a deacon just looked at me silently and I said, you don't think I can keep my mouth shut long enough, do you? And he said, I did not want to tell you that, but yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so if you want to talk, I want to talk, call me,
1: right? You are an honor, honestly, for us uh, to have you on this podcast. I know that Bill Snyder was disappointed he couldn't join, um, but I maybe, maybe we can time. do another one. Yeah, yeah, maybe we can do another one. Yeah, and you Go have to come back Tuesday. on ours. You have to come back on ours, yeah. Oh, thank but you. I do audio because you see my hair. I don't like to do too much <laughs> no, hair, <it> looks, so. <laughs> good. It looks good, looks good. Well, thank Look at you. Her. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I love that in the background. The, the oh, I love,
2: beautiful. I love, I, you know, I, I, you know, big shout out to the blessed mother. Mm,
1: amen. Amen. So I want to thank you again. Thank you. A Christian, please everyone subscribe again. It's catholicbilly.com. I know we get audience here from outside the Philadelphia area, but you know, there's a lot to learn, lots to see on that website, even if you're from another state.
2: Oh, that's sure, because we, we carry World and National Catholic News mm-hmm. through Catholic mm-hmm. News Service. So you'll always find something that's of interest to your region, you know, on Catholicfilby.com. That's right.
0: God bless everyone. We'll see you on Sewing Hope next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and anndesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or AndySantis2. Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed planted in them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts burning within us, The latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278.